Hello and welcome to the Conscious Leadership Podcast. My name is Julie Hogbin and I am the creator of the three weekly episodes that are produced. Wealth Wednesday, the A to Z of business on Friday and a longer content piece or interview on a Monday. If you like what you hear, please share this podcast if you think it would support and help somebody else. Episode follows on from number one, so please go back and find that, uh, which covered the 10 stages of communication. Communication is a 10-stage process. We also spoke about the three Vs, so the visual, vocal, verbal, and various other subjects within that episode. Now, this episode, going up a level, I'm going to refer to different things, clearly. So thinking about... If we're talking about communication at the next level up from basic, one of the questions I'm going to ask you to think about initially is who taught you to communicate? Where did you learn how to communicate from? Now, I am sure many of you that are listening to this will have done some communications training at some point. You will potentially have done some profiling tools at some point. Maybe they're linked to communication Maybe they're linked to energies. Maybe they're linked to your skill sets. All of those things, if you apply them to your communication, will enable you to check how you communicate and to think about the differences between your communication style and somebody else's. So thinking about who taught you to communicate, I did some research And there are, apparently, in the Oxford English Dictionary, 171,000 words. Now, other dictionaries have over 400,000 within the combined English-speaking language. Now, on average, they estimate that the active vocabulary for individuals is about 20,000 words. Now, thinking about that, How many words do you use that are similar to words that other people use? And then thinking about your business and your organisation, how many words of those are jargon? So we fall into a pattern of using certain words that are associated into an interpretation in our head about what they mean. We're going to come on to that more a bit later. Now, There's another piece of information that I'm going to share with you. I've got a smile on my face as I'm saying it. They've also done some research on how many words the female gender use versus how many words the male gender use. And some of you will not be surprised. And of course, this does not apply to every single female and every single male is that on average, a woman will use 5000 words a day. And on average, a male will use 2,000 words a day. Now, make of that stat what you will. But what it does mean is that whether you are female biased, as in how you communicate, or male biased, and I'm going to take this away from the gender aspect because we are all male and female together, combined, either which way, there will be patience required when you are either talking or listening to another person. So if somebody is using on average 5,000 words, 
For those of you that use 2,000 words, you are going to have to be patient to listen and you're really going to have to focus. For those of you that use 2,000 words, those of you that use more are going to have to encourage the other person to give you more detail. doesn't matter whether you're male or female, and I've still got a smile on my face as I'm saying that. You know people that use lots of words and you all know people that use very few words. So consider that into your communication strategy with the individual that you're talking to. Now, communication is the absolute key to any success, to all success in any walk of life. One thing is really clear is that we never get anywhere on our own. We are always supported by others. So think about how your communication is helping you or and hindering you. So let's go into this in a bit more detail. When we are communicating, I mentioned it as the three V's in the first episode, we are using all of our senses. We have five senses and we use all of them at different times in our communication. When we send our communication and when we receive communication. So the five senses, hearing, sight, taste, smell and touch. So what does that mean? When you're hearing something and we will all have our own tendencies, when we hear something, it is called auditory. Some people are very good at hearing and some aren't because some will use sight to take in more information, sight being the visual aspect. Now, linking this from our senses into how we choose to communicate, if we're hearing, we're talking. If our preference is to hear, we may do a lot of talking. If our preference is to be visual, we may want to read. We may sense, we may want to read, so we may have a tendency to send emails, to send messaging, to use an online process. We also have the senses of taste, smell and touch. Tasting is exactly that, you taste something. Smell is exactly that, you smell something, it's called olfactory and touch is what we would call kinesthetic. Now, the more we can combine all those things, especially the hearing, the sight and the touch together in our communication. So speak the communication, give somebody something to read and then give somebody something to do to touch. Our communication will be more effective. And that. Or they are the five primary ways that we receive information. When we are communicating, please remember from the initial three V's, visual, vocal, verbal, 7% of what we say is through the words. So when we are talking about communication, a lot of it is around what we look like. People will remember what you look like rather than what you say, especially when emotions are involved. Another thing I wanted to share with you is that we receive millions of pieces of information on a daily basis, millions and millions and millions. And we cannot physically be dealing with all of those million bits of information all the time. So what we do is we delete some of that information. 
we distort some of that information and we generalize some of that information. So we delete it as in we completely ignore it. We distort it to change it to our bias and we generalize it to make it fit into a pattern of a general concept. So what does that mean? In its basic format, what that means, and there is a lot more to this, but in that, in its basic format, what that means is that we have a confirmation bias. What does that mean? It means that we see what we look for and we hear what we listen for. So we hear and see what we are looking for. So when we are communicating, if you are expecting to hear or see something, that is what you will hear or see. So to communicate effectively, we have to come out of self to come out and into what I call an objective empathy mode. It, when we are objective, we are not making judgments. We are looking for fact. We are looking for evidence. We're looking for real rather than being subjective when we are being affected by emotions. But objective can be cold. Objective doesn't always bring in the human side of us, which we absolutely 100% need if we are going to be communicating effectively. So if you have empathy on the end of objective and you have objective empathy, you're looking for fact, you're looking for reason, you are communicating factually evidence-based, very possibly in a very clear manner with no ums, no ahs, no padding, no filling, none of those extraneous words that confuse people. So if you confuse people, you lose people. But you are communicating in a way that indicates you have empathy for the situation and for the person or for the organisation, for the state, for the condition, for whatever it is. And there's a, a phrase that says, you have not converted man because you have silenced them. So you've not converted people because they are silent. If somebody is silent, it's coming for one of two reasons. A, they have no idea what to say, how to communicate, what questions to ask. Maybe there is a fear factor going on for them. Maybe they are computing whatever it is that you have said. So they are taking longer to think about what you've said. Or maybe they are not communicating because they know that you don't listen. Maybe they have attempted to communicate before and you have shut them down. There's the two main reasons why people do not say anything. So if you've got somebody that's silent in front of them, give them time. Encourage them to speak. Now, we use words. So an average vocabulary is 20,000. I have a massive thought process that we do not use 20,000. Just because we know those words, we don't use them. We have a tendency to take a word, attach a whole raft of behaviours to it, 
and then use that word as though everybody lives in our head and attaches the same behaviours to the word. I'll give you an example. Think about what behaviours somebody would use for you to describe them as confident. Now, I'm talking about behaviours. Behaviours are actions, physical actions. So for me, for somebody to be described as confident, they would be offering an opinion in a meeting. They would be taking the lead and maybe talking from stage. They would be able to walk into a room and start a conversation with somebody. A confident person may also choose to be silent in a meeting because they are allowing other people to have their say. So think about the words you use and the behaviours you attached. Think about what an aggressive person, if you described somebody as aggressive, what they would be doing. Now, aggressive person may be talking in a very loud voice. They may be speaking very clipped language. They may be banging on a desk. They may be stomping across an office. Now, I was once described as an aggressive person. And the behaviours that I was describing were the behaviours that I had described previously as confident. When I described those behaviours to a group of people, they told me that, that they perceived that as aggressive behaviour. So please remember, not everybody has the same meaning for the same word, dependent on where they come from, dependent on their experiences, dependent on their life. So we have a meaning for a word. Other people have a different meaning for the word. So please be very careful of the words you are using. And if you can use behaviours rather than a label, it will serve you in good stead. I'll talk more about that in the next episode. For us to be effective communicators, and I'm going to give you a model just after this last part, we need to be positive. We need to be visionary. So what we are speaking about needs to be attractive. We need to create the attraction in our communication for others to want to listen to us. And we need to be forward focused. So positive, visionary and forward focused. If we are living in the past with our communication, how do we move forward? We need to be real and we need to be human. We need to have that objective empathy within our communication, especially if we are managers and leaders within an organisation. People need to know that they can come and talk to us. So we manage our behaviours to allow our staff teams, you manage your behaviours to allow your staff teams to know they can come to you. Now, there will be boundaries around that, of course. But think about the messages you are delivering, even when you are not saying anything. We cannot not communicate. And think about when we are, when you are communicating, think about the benefits for you. Think about the benefits for them and think about the benefits for the situation. We have internal communication, so for ourselves, and we have external communication, which goes out into the world. 
Think about your internal communication to you before you go into a meeting, before you go into a conversation. Think about your internal communication, what's going on for you, and then think about how you are going to express that externally to get the best result for all involved. When we communicate effectively, we are actively listening, we are asking questions, and we are summarizing and paraphrasing. To communicate effectively when possibly we're in a tricky situation, use the words that the other person has used. They have a tape in their head. If you use exactly their words, not replacing them with yours, they cannot deny that that is the word they used or the sentence that they used. If you're providing somebody with feedback, tell them where they were if necessary. Tell them where they were, what the time was, what they were wearing and use their exact words. It will truly help them to understand. I'm going to leave you with a very simple model. It's a coaching model that I use for all sorts of things. It's called GROW. And I would ask you to think about this for your communication. What is the goal that you have for the communication you are planning to have? What is the reality of the situation? So where are you now? Where is the other person now? What was the last communication you had? Get it all out. This is for yourself to plan going into the communication. What are your options and what are your opportunities? How are you going to handle the conversation that you are about to have? And then what will you do? Create the plan. So goal, reality, options, opportunities, and then what will you do? It's a coaching model called GROW. It's a problem-solving model. It will serve you in really, truly good stead. So think about how you are going to communicate. Think about who taught you to communicate. Think about the words you are using. Think about who you are using them to. Think about the emotional content of your words. Think about your thoughts, which lead to your intentions. You pay attention to your intention and the words that you express, whether they are written or verbal, are your costume of intent. So think about what costume you are wearing to get your message across. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Conscious Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, please contact me on any one of the social media channels. I'm on most of them, including Clubhouse and YouTube. And my books are on Amazon. If you would like a topic discussed, please tell me. And if you have found this information useful, please share and please leave a review.